He just said, you must just go and just be yourself. That would be a dream, of course it would. Yesterday was a good day because Instagram was down. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Rams TV podcast. I'm Owen Bradley. We are kicking off with someone regular viewers will know very well. He made over 500 appearances for eight different football league clubs. Derby fans will remember him best for a corkery scored against Sheffield Wednesday. Football fans in general might know him because of his struggles off the pitch. We will touch on that part of his story, uh, but our focus will really be on other things. We talk on about broadcasting, uh, social media, his outlook on life in general, and of course, fitness. Uh, don't forget to stick around afterwards and we'll get to some of your questions. But first up, the one and only Shane Nicholson. Shane Nicholson, welcome to the Rams TV podcast. Thank you for being our guinea pig and our first guest uh, on the show. Um, how are you doing, all right? Yeah, I'm doing great. I've been called a lot worse than a guinea pig. I'm so sure. I'm, I'm pleased with that. Like what? <laughs> Just a lot worse. <laughs> um, your story's fascinating and you sat down with uh, with Colin Gibson for Rams TV Meets and uh, if people want to sort of know your your story in football, that's the place to go mm-hmm. um, and watch that. And, and I'm sure we'll sort of touch on one or two bits of it today. Um, but you're a fascinating guy um, and it's been a pleasure and a privilege getting to know you over the last couple of years. And there's all sorts we can talk about from sort of the quite frivolous but important, like the dog, and we will get to the dog. Oh, and, yes. But there's also things like your faith as well. But I, I wanted to start with how you got into broadcasting because some players, I think, maybe throughout their whole careers, know that they want to get into the media side of it. You, I don't think, were ever quite that way. No, never. Uh, I mean, if you do watch the Ram TV story, I, I, I pick up on it there. One of my biggest fears as a young man growing up was speaking in front of people. I had My social skills were absolutely awful, terrible. Um, and that's part of the reason why I was left on a football field. If you put me on a football field, I didn't even have to talk to people. Um, so put me in a room full of people. I couldn't talk to people. I, I you know, making eye contact, anything. Um, and that's where the drink and the drugs came into my life. So I knew as soon as I finished playing football, that this was going to keep me prisoner, not being able to speak to people. And I knew that I had to overcome that because there's huge fear. And I did, I was asked to do my first talk at an academy football club. And I think it was Accrington or Blackburn, one of those two. And I remember being completely sick as a dog afterwards. And I went back to the next one and I was sick again for three times running. I was sick, but I thought, just keep going. Just keep trying to do it. Keep trying to, keep trying to persevere. And as I persevered, it became okay comfortable, still get very nervous. I still get a little bit of anxiety when I do it, when, I, when, I, when I'm doing this. Anxiety, sat in my car for five or 10 minutes just to measure myself and get myself gathered. Even today? You did yeah, that. even today, yeah. Yeah, I sit in my car for five minutes before I come up, which is very, uh, you know, just to gather my thoughts. I say a little prayer uh, and then I come up and then and then things all. But you guys here make it very easy, I have to say. You and Colin and, and, and the team make it very, very easy. Not very easy, but make it easier. You've been a great help. So this is, you know, I'm walking into, I'm jumping into a, out of the fire and into the frying pan, basically. But you've made it very, very comfortable for me. And, and, you know, I couldn't have asked for anything better, really. We worked together when I was still at BBC Radio Derby. We did a few, I think it was Checker Trade trophy games. You did three with Port us. Bell, yeah. Port and Bell. then we did, yeah, because I remember you telling me about how big the pitch is and running across to the corner flags and stuff when yeah. you're a player. Um, and then we did the Sunderland game on the opening night of the championship season. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of came into Rams TV. You know, I've loved every minute of it. I can't say, I mean, I like this as much as I like football, I have to say, because I still get the nerves for it. You have the enjoyment of the nerves before the game, but it's not the same kind of nerves, you know. 
Um, but you still have to perform. You have to... This is even having to perform at a high level for me because, as I said to you, the speaking thing for me is 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 a is a big big hurdle to overcome. So when I get through a game, for me, it's like we've just beat Man United three 0 Enjoy a leader's experience in the Captain's Club at Pride Park Stadium. It's hospitality, but not like you know it. The Captain's Club at the Dave Mackay Suite offers the best vantage point of the stadium, accompanied by great food and regular visits from Derby County captains, past and present. Available on a seasonal or match-by-match basis, the Captain's Club is the perfect way to watch the Rams in style. Visit dcfc.co.uk for full details. What sort of advice, guidance were you given before your first broadcasts here and, and with us at Radio Derby? Did people talk you through or did they just expect you to know from being in football, watching football, what was expected of you as a pundit? I think people do expect you to know the ins and outs of football. But, but that's, I mean, I wasn't a student of the game as a player. I was, I was a robot. You, you tell me what to do on the pitch and I'll go and do it. So I've learned an awful lot about the game. Doing your coaching badges as well, you, you learn an awful lot about the game. So I think there is that expectancy of people thinking that you're going to know everything. So I was told, you know, do notes before games, do notes, learn about the teams, learn about the players, the managers, the style of play, you know, forms. Have a few, go to the uh, <laughs> the favourite old BBC sites where they give you a few stats on there as well, which, which is great. But be yourself. Don't try and beat anybody else. Because I used to listen to Craig on Radio Derby and I thought he looked great. You, Radio Derby, Colin. And you think, I want to try and sound like them. But my friend who's worked at Radio Derby for 30 odd years, Hopeton, do you know Hopeton, G-Man? He just says, you must just go and just be yourself. And that's what I've tried to do. I've not tried to be anybody else. I've just tried to be me and, and here we are still today. Do you think about what you say in terms of, because you know some of the, the current players or, mm. or, or players that maybe have moved on already. So do you think about what you say and whether they're going to hear it and how they might interpret it, react to it, maybe what the manager thinks? Is that the sort of thing that you think about? I know for, as, a, as an ex-player that uh, whatever I say, the players will listen to because if it's, if, it's any, if it's negative, any slight bit of negative in it, they won't like it because I wouldn't have liked it as a player. I would not have liked it. And, it, and it's difficult to take constructive criticism, you know. Um, but I think the fact that I've played 600 games gives me that, that allowance to be able to say things. Because when I do try and say, when I say something negatively, I try and say it in a constructive way. You're naturally a very positive person. Yeah. I would say. I, I'm, I'm optimistic, for sure. So, you know, I always try and see the best in, in everything. But you have to think about the public as well. They want to hear the truth, I believe. And really what you think, if someone's asking my opinion... It has to be my opinion. You know, I can't, I can't, you know, skirt over things. I have to, if they're asking my opinion, be honest and truthful and say, right, this is what I think. So, you know, I hope I don't offend people, certainly the players, because that's the last thing that we want. But I know as a player as well that sometimes players don't go out there and mean to play poorly. They don't mean to go out there and play a poor pass. It happens. I say in commentary that, you know, we're not robots, we're human beings. You know, and, and certainly I've had my bad times as a player, you know, when I've done things wrong in the game and when the crowd get on your back, it's awful. It is awful. There's nothing worse as a player when you're coming out playing your home crowd and your family's sat in the crowd and, you know, you can hear that your family can hear their own fans booing you. It's not nice. I've had that. So, you know, I try and be positive as I can do, but I, I will be honest. Who does that, just to go on a side note, who does that affect more when you hear that stuff and you know your family there. Do you think that criticism affects the family more or does it affect you more? No, it would affect my family more. I was quite, I was quite mentally strong as, as a player and you have to be. 
you have to be single-minded. It would affect them more than it would affect me. But what it did do when I when I heard it, and listen, crowds aren't always wrong neither. You know, if if you need if some players do need a bit of a kick up the backside, then they'll let you know. And and in occasions at the time when I went to Tranmere, I left Sheffield United and went to Tranmere. And because I'd taken the place of one of their favourite players, Gareth Roberts, who actually came here after, um, they didn't like it. But me and Gareth played together for a while, up and down the left-hand side. We made a, we formed a good relationship. But I always knew that you can always win football fans over by just giving 100%. You know, you might never be the best player, and I never was, by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, every club I've been at, you know, I, I would certainly be up in the top two or three hard trainers, yeah. Just to go back to what, what we were talking about in regards, you know, how you approach your role as, as a pundit. Have you, and maybe giving us examples isn't the best thing, but have you heard of players being unhappy with something you've said? Have any have any players ever reached out to you and said, I think that was wrong or I think that was out of order? No, they haven't, no. But, but I would, if that was the case, I would like them to. You know, if, if they wasn't happy with something that I said, I'm, I'm quite open for people to to phone me up or, and ask me why they think I've said it because I give my explanation. As I said, I don't say anything, certainly about the Derby players because I'm a Derby supporter. I support every single player that pulls a shirt on that walks out onto that pitch. But I'm, I'm paid to give my opinion on what I think. And, and I can only do that. I can just be honest. And, you know, that, that, that's me as a person. If some, someone doesn't like what I have to say, then I can't apologise for that. I can't apologise for that. I'm going to be honest, but I'll try and say it in a constructive way. You're honest on air, which I appreciate and, and love, and I've told you that before. You're honest on social media as well. You're quite active on Twitter, mm. uh, on Instagram too. Um, how do you approach Twitter in particular? Because fans clearly like interacting with you. You you know reply to a lot of them, and, and I see some of the exchanges. Do you mm. in, do you enjoy that side of it? Well, I, well, I, I try and do that to help me for one thing. Um... Help you how? Just my intellect, my, my way of, of getting my point over in, in so little <laughs> words. That's one thing. It helps me. Um, it helps me think. A lot of things. But I do like to interact with fans because I think it's, it's nice for them to get your insight as well. But you, have to, you do have to be careful, of course, because look, I'm employed by the football club as well. So you have to protect that as well. I understand that. But as I said to you, I think you can... Free speech... You know, I'm surely I'm able to say what I want to say. I'm not stupid. I'm not thick. I don't think I'll say anything that's, you know, um, going to put the club in danger. I wouldn't do that. But, you know, I'll be honest, as honest as I can do on Twitter. When it comes to the games, commentary, that's different. You know, it's live running. Um, I can say what I'll, I'll say what I need to say. But on Twitter, you've got time to think. You can sit down. You can think, right. You can pick and choose what you want to reply to. Some of the comments are a little bit, you know, <laughs> a little bit silly what I don't get involved in, but the ones that I do do, I believe that I just give an honest account of, of what I honestly think. There are some things that we read. We sit in the studio often after games, during games, and, and sort of laugh and shake our heads, don't we, at, mm. at some of the stuff that comes in. Do you still try and engage with those things as well? Or is there ever anything where you just sort of go, I'm not even going to bother going here because you're on a different planet to me? You know, we've had probably the best football year, footballing year, um, we've had for a while. It's been great. The club was kind of in the doldrums, really. The whole city got a lift when Frank and Jody and his team came. The whole city gave a lift. Whether we did as well as what we did is irrelevant. He brought the club, I feel, kudos. He really did. And, you know, and uh, it, it was fantastic while it was happening. But he's gone now. And to just to hear, I think, some of the fans speak the way they are doing now about, you know, is Judas, is this, is that, is a snake, is this. 
it's life, it's football, you know, and it goes, and it reminds me actually of the Steve McLaren episode as well. I don't think Steve McLaren did anything different to what Frank Lampard's done, in all honesty. But Steve McLaren got absolutely hammered for doing what he did. And he only went to his dream job, you know, so Steve was a little bit older. Frank's been very, very fortunate. I've been offered an opportunity at a club like this as his first job, did well. Now he's gone to one of the biggest clubs in Europe. On the broadcasting side, do you think if the opportunity came, BBC, Sky, is that something you would look at? Or are you quite comfortable and, and quite happy and feel quite safe doing what you're doing with, with Rams TV? I don't know if... Well, I'm, listen, I'm very fortunate to be here, you know, and I love it, but, you know... Life isn't about being comfortable, I don't think, my, my journey. Anyway, I think you have to keep pushing and pushing and striving and striving to get forward and be better. This isn't the be-all and end-all for me. The be-all and end-all for me is trying to make the world a better place. That's what I want to do by being a good person. You know, that's what that's my be-all. And, and if, it, if I can do that on a platform like this, then brilliant. Um, but what, to work for Sky or something like that, be sat in a studio on a, on a Gillette Soccer Saturday, that would be a dream. That would be a dream, of course it would. Um, but listen, I, I love it here. I absolutely love it. You know, I live in Derby. I've lived here for 20 odd years, working with you guys. It's an absolute perfect job. The answer was quite like a manager being asked about Frank and Charles or Steve at Newcastle, by the way. I wasn't, I wasn't deliberate, I promise. But, in, but yeah. interesting. I think yeah. you're right. I think you do have to, whatever it is, you have to, you have to look forward and, uh, and try and improve. Do you listen back to commentaries and, and watch stuff back that you do? No, no. Like I wouldn't do my games that I played in. Never. But if you want to get better, isn't that, you know, that's yes, what people that, tell you you should do. Of course, of course. And um, you're quite right. So I'll start doing it. <laughs> I've just had my hand slapped. Um, but you're right. I, I don't should, do it enough I, either. No, no, so. I, I should do that. I should do it. In fact, I haven't actually listened to one. Um, the odd thing I've heard is when we've scored a goal and you can hear me in the background being a bit raucous, which is not very clever. Um, but I, I should actually do that. You know what I mean? I, I like listening to Gary Neville. I, you know, not that I want to be like him, but I like listening to the way he, he conveys stuff, gets things across to the public. He doesn't try and complicate things. Um, and he's very articulate. I like that as well. So if anyone I'd aspire to be like, it, it would be him. I like his style, how he is. Let's move on from the broadcasting and, and talk about one of your other passions, which is the fitness side of things. Because mm. a lot of your time, and I think after you finished here, you're going to go and you, you've got a client down at the gym. Are you... Maybe not fitter now than you were as a player, but are you bigger, stronger now than you were as a player? Yeah, I'm I probably weigh two stone more now than what I did uh, when I played. I think I was about 11, 11 and a half stone when I played. So 30 and a half stone. My body fat is probably only about 8 or 9% still, which is quite good. Um, but I don't... I train like I train is because of that. that's because of my mentality and that's because of my addictive personality. I probably fell into the fitness coach in this and the and the strength and conditioning role is because of my love for training myself, which was probably the wrong reason to get into the job. But it gave me a job for 10 years. So why do you think that's the wrong reason? Because I loved training myself. I didn't necessarily enjoy, I didn't think I would enjoy training other people. And there's a lot more to just train other people. You have to coach other people. And again, it, when you're doing, uh, when, when you're PT, you know, when you're doing your strength condition or whatever, you're having to be one-on-one -on -one with people. So again, it comes down to that, how you interact with people. Again, I wasn't, I was rubbish. And I had a fear of that. So to do it with a football team, it was quite easy because they knew what they was doing. But now when you come back to doing to PT and you're stripping it right down and people have not got a clue with what they're doing and what you're asking them to do, you're having to like interact with these people very closely, very intimately. 
which at now in my life, this stage of my life at 49, I'm, I'm cool with that. You know, I'm great with that. So the eight or nine years I did strength and conditioning with a team helped me to come now to, to do this, what I'm doing with the one-on-one stuff. Would you go back into a club and do it again? I'd never say never in life, but I think my time in football in that in that respect, I think it's finished. You know, I, I love, I, I'm, I want to mentor and help the younger player, any player actually, not younger players, but any player because... There are so many obstacles in life that can trip people up. You know, certainly as footballers, people look at footballers, oh, they earn thousands to do this, to do that. But what money does, it gives you more options, gives you more decisions to make. And a lot of the times we make bad decisions, bad decisions. I made more than any. So I think people need guidance. The young players need guidance. And and it's difficult. It's difficult having to, you know, the young kids that are, are leaving school and then going into football clubs, conforming to how football clubs want them to to be. It's difficult because a lot of the young kids that are coming, they're from, you know, not great areas, not great places. So for them to come into football clubs and then be told what to do and, you know, sometimes it's, it's difficult for them. I, for me, perfect. I liked it because it was structure for me. I, I got into football because it gave me structure in my life uh, and I enjoyed training. Don't get me off the training ground because I was rubbish off the training ground and the other stuff, but it gave me a great structure. So... For the young kids, I, I just want to help them. I want to help any footballer that needs the help because there's plenty out there. We read about it daily. You know, the drink, the drugs, the gambling, everything. There's so much out there that trips them up. And I wanted to ask you about that in the sense of, given how the game has changed from when you came through, do you think your story would be any different if, if Shane Nicholson emerged now or do you think you would have gone down the same path and, and sort of done the same things that you did? I'd have always gone down the same path. Yeah, 100% I would have done, you know, um, but it would have probably happened a little bit quicker because I'd have, if it was happening now, I'd have been on more money, you know, but, but the money was relevant then. I was on okay money, but, but I never had money because I was always in debt because of what I was doing. So, but I just made bad choices and that was down to me being the person that I was. I was always escaping from something. You know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't deal with reality in my head and I could not deal with it. So being a footballer on the training pitch, that's not reality. Then as soon as that finished, then I had to find something that took me away from the normal stuff. So that meant go drinking, get drunk. That took me away again. The drugs, that was the next thing. So it was kind of having to find that balance. And then, of course, the, the prison, the clinic, and then my faith gave me that balance. Let's talk about your faith. How did that come to you? That came to me through association. Um, no epiphany, really, other than a story I tell... When I, was, when I was using, when I was at West Brom, was my dad took ill. Mm. And I mentioned on the Rams TV. And I got a call from my mum saying, you better come home quick. You know, your dad's going to die. This is straight after we'd played Leeds United, I think it was, or Middlesbrough. I can't remember which one it was. And my mum gives me a call after every game. I said, yeah, no problem, mum. So I shot home and he'd been in the hospice for four days, not opened his eyes in a few days. Um, I got in my car, drove straight from Birmingham, straight back down to Newark. But on the way... I did a bit of a detour, called up my dealer's house and did what I did, you know, but my dad will wait. He'll wait for me. I've been told he's going to die, but he'll wait. Four, five, six, seven, eight hours go by. I'm still sat there. My phone's going mad. My sister's, my mum's calling me. I end up getting in there. And as I walk in, we go to his room and I sit down and hold my dad's hand and his eyes open. And as his eyes open, the whole room to me, and I thought everyone else in the room, it lit up. But after speaking to my sisters later... They said they never saw anything. I thought, wow. I said, the whole room, it was like just looking at a bright light. Incredible, absolutely incredible. And then from that day onwards, not from that single day, but from that day onwards, I, said, I promised to my dad that 
I'm going to try and look after my sisters and my mum and try and be the best version that I can be of myself. And after meeting my mentor, Hopeton Gordon, who worked with you at Radio Derby, who's my best mate, and Damon Haig, Damon was, has, his story is exactly the same as what mine is, on a different spin where he was a boxer. Um, he got, he'd done the prison thing and everything else. By meeting Hopeton, we would meet, I'd meet him on a daily basis. He would never mention religion, faith, anything, God, Jesus, not once. In four, the first four or five years while I met him, not once. I just loved how he was with people, how he helped people, how he made me feel. How I, when I left him, I felt, wow, who is that? And I just wanted to be like him. I wanted to, I aspired to be like him. But then it went from him to be like Damon. I saw Damon, because Damon was like 10 years in front of me with his, because um, he, he got baptized about 10 years before me did. So he was in front of me, so I was, Damon was helping me as well. We became best mates and we detested each other, hated each other, um, but we became best mates. So us three now, we're, we're very good friends. And why, why did you hate him? Because he was, we could look in the mirror and was exactly the same. We were exactly the same. We were two lads. He had his sport, professional boxing. I had my professional football. We was just the same type of person, the same type of person. But then because he got on his path, on his journey, and he was on the way to being righteous, I used to see him then when I was still doing my thing and I was crossing the opposite side of the road and I hated him because I, because I wanted to be where he was. It was sort of jealousy oh, out of that. Yeah, hugely. But I was scared to to make that leap of faith and 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 you know and make that first step. But in the end, of course, I did it. But you know, yeah. Um, but that's how it came about with, with those two, just through association, really, with those guys. So it wasn't a case of what happened with your dad happened, and nope. the next day you went to church. It nope. took longer. Yeah, that. he did. Yeah, uh, I went to the clinic. Um, I came out of the clinic, and the clinic told me after four, we had to do residential clinic for four months in Southampton, and they said, you know, you'll need to find a higher, higher power. What is that? You know, some might find you want to go and speak to a tree, <laughs> which I tried. <laughs> uh, uh, some might have tried church. You did try it? No, I didn't, know. No, my, my wife's a tree hugger, but not me. Um, so I went to the church for the first time with Josie, and we came out, and it was awful. We didn't like it at all. Um, it was just a bit overpowering for us. And I thought, I've got to, I've got to stick to it. And I stuck to it. And um, not that I'm a regular churchgoer now, but, but my faith is, is well, it means more to me than anything on the planet. Anything, because without that, then I don't have a relationship with my kids, my mum, or anyone. It's black and white, and it's in your DNA, you. Get priority access to match tickets and a range of other benefits with Derby County's DNA Home and Away memberships. Home members can enjoy 20% discount and early access to home match tickets without having to pay booking fees online, whilst Away members can claim priority access to purchase tickets for all Away games. DNA Home and Away memberships are available to purchase now on dcfc.co.uk by visiting the Derby County Ticket Office presented by SeatGeek or by calling 0871 472 1884. There's Josie, your wife, you mentioned. You've got two yeah. daughters as well. Yeah. Have any of them followed you down that path? Yeah. They, they've both done, I mean, Ava, the youngest, she sang in the choir at the cathedral for four years. Uh, they're both believers, both believe in the Lord. Beautiful girls. Ava's coming up, she's at year 10 now, and Darcy's going over to, 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 and she's in university at Nottingham, but going to France for six months and then to Spain for six months. And they're both believers. They believe in the Lord. They're all girls. Listen, the youth, they're kids as well, so they're going to make, they're going to have problems. 
I've had one or two chats with Darcy already about her drinking because she's she's took to that student life very well. Uh, and that scared me because Darcy has my traits. Ava has her mum's traits. And, and I spotted that a long, long time ago. And we've had talks and yeah, she's coming through. She's doing well. She's doing great. Because you you are very, you have been in this conversation. You're very open about your story and, mm. and what you went through. Are, are you as open with them? Or do they maybe know things that we don't know that you do keep a little bit more private? Well, as long as I've been telling my story, every time I tell it, I remember something else. And it isn't very nice. They know about the prison. They know about the clinic. They know that, you know, I was, I was an absolute waste of space. And, I, and, I, and I, tell, I, tell, I tell them everything. I really do tell them everything. I tell them how I was with the mum. I was an awful, awful husband, awful boyfriend. Terrible. Physically, mentally, just a horrible person. And they have to know that. They have to know that and they can't follow, they can't look at me. I hope they look at me now and think, right, I want my boyfriend to be how my dad is to my mum. That's what I want them to see, not how I was. You know, they have to they have to understand how I was before, which I try and convey that message to them because I wasn't always like this. I wasn't always like this. I was nothing like this at all. Um, but but now I am and, you know, should they go on and, and have a boyfriend, you know, he'll be vetted at the door. <laughs> the baseball bat just behind it <laughs> and I'll make sure he <laughs> I do not envy them no. that, that's quite a brave thing to do though to be so open I think naturally with people that you love and people that you're close to you maybe don't want to show them the worst of you because mm. you might fear how they'll react and, and how that will affect the relationship and I, I, I don't know I don't, don't have kids so and you know yeah. I get nothing out of the dog so I don't think she would react but if I, I think if I told I think I would be concerned that if I told people, you know, the worst about me, there'd be that fear of pushing them away. You've clearly, you don't yeah. see it like that. But, but where do they go from there? I mean, they, you know, if you can, if you can, I, I just think it, it frees you as a person. You know, tell people how bad you are. Now, you should never, ever, ever, I don't believe, elevate yourself anyway. You know, I always put myself at the bottom and I always push my, you know, stand behind people and push them forward rather than drag people along. I think that's the right way to go about it. And I think... If the kids understand how bad I was, which I, th I think they do now, and then they see how I am today and why I'm like I am today, they'll want to know what makes him like he is. You know, what makes it... Because what's interesting for me is, it's not things that they say. Sometimes when, as a kid myself, when you write your parents' cards, when you, when you look back over the years, what you've written in your... I think it's what the little things that you write in the cards to your parents means an awful lot to me. So I get a couple from my daughters and, and they say, oh... You know, you're kind, you're this, you're that. And that to me means everything. You always put everyone first. That to me means everything. Because I'll put, not just my daughters, you know, I, I want to treat other people the same as I'll treat my daughters. I don't give them special treatment just because they're my daughters. I want to treat everyone exactly the same. And that's what they should do. So you just hope that you're, you know, you're, you're a good role model for them. There is another member of the household that we haven't mentioned yet. Cannot believe he's not been mentioned He's probably yet. my favourite, including <laughs> you, no offence. Um, tell us about the dog. Fonz. Fonz. Well, no, it's a brilliant name for a Forgive start. me. It's not Fonz. It's the Fonz. You know, it's like the FA. He is the Fonz. Sad, I have to say this. I didn't actually want him initially because I didn't want the dog. But Josie went to the farm, came back with this little tiny puppy. And I always remember as a kid, I, I just think I just wanted a dog that just fetched the ball. When you take him for a walk, you don't have to put him in a lead. He doesn't run away and he comes back. To you. I don't think I, that's quite simple for me. I don't think I was asking for too much. This dog does it. 
he is the best thing, the best addition to my family I could ever want. He's beautiful. His nature is wonderful. And apart from when he has a haircut, he sulks for two days. Um, you don't see him. Doesn't come out of his cage. He's just a great addition to the family. I love him. He wakes up for you, doesn't he? If you're out. Every morning. Every morning, every night when I get in, he greets you with a smile, jumps up. Love him. When we're, we go to studies every other Friday, so that means he's going to be on his own for quite a few hours. So we let him sleep with us upstairs on a Friday. Brilliant. I love him and I wouldn't swap him for the world. And you even take him to the gym? Yes, I do. And the people at the gym love him. They love him. But this is the truth. Sometimes I go train on my own at the gym late at night. And in the winter months, when it's dark, <laughs> I've got to be honest, I take him there just a little bit of, it's, it's a bit of security. Just Big, so he can, strong Shane Nicholson Just so he can let me know that if, anyone, if anyone's around there, around the, you know what I mean? he's, he's going to give me a little bark. But no, but no, he loves it. He loves it. And he's not one of them dogs that goes around chasing after people who just sit there and just do his own thing. So, yeah, people love him. He is super cool. Um, mm. Did you not grow up with dogs then? Yeah. But my household was like a war zone. So dogs, as you can imagine, living in a war zone were not... Mm. Not really, you know. There wasn't Tret well. Um, we had we used to, we had an Afghan dog. We had a Staffordshire Bull Terrier. Went in Alsatian, and none of them really. I don't think we had one of them for longer than two or three years, you know, because you know we just didn't because the house was just it, it was toxic. So as the relationships in the house wasn't great, neither was the relationship with your pets. And do you get help in terms of? Walking, looking after him. Does everyone pull the weight or have you sort of muscled everybody out anyway? No, my wife's the dog walker every morning. He gets a good walk in the morning for an hour and a half, goes to meet his mates, does his socialise in the morning. He's got a better social life than what I have, or anyone in the house actually. Um, goes to meet them, comes back, then I'm in and out of the house all day, so we'll go on the field next door. Um, but he's getting a little bit older now, so you've got to be, got to be careful with him. He, he used to be able to do hill sprints up Dolly Park and all sorts, but now... You have to throw the ball downhill. It <laughs> can only sprint downhill, not uphill. So, yeah, but he's a love him. He's a great addition. And let's sort of try and pull it back to, to football before we finish. It is pre-season as we sit and, and record this. Are you still looking after a, a couple of players in the off-season? Well, I've got one tonight at six o'clock, Tendai Dariqua, the old Forest player who's just come back from the CONCAF Cup. So I will be taking him tonight. He wants to do a little bit before he goes back. I think he's got a, um, an extended break because of that. So I'm seeing him tonight and we've seen Jamie Ward over the summer as well. And they come back sporadically um, because a lot of them still live in and around Derby and Nottingham. So, and it's always good to see him. It's always good to see him. And again, that shows you that they trust you and the relationship that you build with them. So it's always nice. How sort of complicated is it in the sense of, because they, I guess, have their programmes from their clubs. Mm. Um, if they've got a club, and not, every, not, not all of them do. Are you ever in contact with, with fitness teams and sports science teams, or are you just sort of almost doing just the bits they need to do to tick over? I'll, I will ask, um, I'll ask the player what it is that he wants to do. You know, if he phones me up a week before and he explains to me what he wants to do. Tendai has told me that he wants to, the training wasn't great out in uh, the CONCAF Cup, so he needs to find out where he is on his fitness level. So he'll want to do probably a little bit of field work endurance work to see where he is so it's quite straightforward I'm not doing nothing that's going to injure him you know so nothing that will harm him going back every time we've had him he's gone back to the got back to the season you know raring to go so this this will be no different is working with the players the bit of that job that you enjoy the most it is yeah but it's my relationships that I built with players and helping them in the personal lives I enjoyed a lot over the years I, mean, I can count go on and go on and go on with the players that were 
not that I've helped because that sounds that sounds awful, but I've I've built relationships with because we've become friends and we've you know I've I've helped them along, yeah, and they always come back, which is great. They always give me a quick call and a quick text, which is always nice. So not just because of footballers, I want to help anyone. Like I said to you, Owen, I, I, I just want to help anyone. I walk around the streets in Derby. You know, you could be there till 11, 12, 1 in the morning because there's that many people that you look around and people are just walking around. They just look angry. And you could stop and you start talking to people. Before you know it, an hour, two hours gone. You know, and there's so many people that need help. So they're not just footballers. Footballers need help as other people do, do. You know, they're no different. But I don't, I don't just stop at footballers, of course not. You know, it's only because of the industry that I'm in. Tickets on sale now. Don't miss out on the drama. Get your ticket to see the Rams today. Online, in-store or over the phone. It couldn't be easier to buy tickets to watch the Rams this season. Rams fans have a wide selection of ticket options to choose from for games at Pride Park and away from home. You can even purchase coach travel alongside your match ticket for when the Rams are on the road. Click onto dcfc.co.uk, visit the ticket office presented by SeatGeek at Pride Park or call 0871 472 1884 to purchase your tickets today given sort of what you've been through and your story do you have some sympathy with players or maybe more sympathy with players than than some that are outside the game do because i often think they get a yeah. bad rap i have sympathy with players because of what the public think of them you know the public's perception is because they earn let's ten thousand pounds let's say they have no emotion. They have no feeling. So just because players earn whatever they earn on this pitch out here today, on this fantastic pitch, they'll be able to handle stick being thrown at them and things being said about the family, this, that, and the other, and the dreadful things that are put on social media. Well, of course not. I mean, if I was a player today, I wouldn't even be on social media because if I was on social media back in my day, my career would have lasted a day. It really would because it, some of it's horrific. But what I will say is, if you are on social media, you've got to be able to take the good with the bad and take the bad with the good because, you know, as we all know as professionals, in your game, whatever game we're in, you can have your bad days, you know, and you have to take your good news like you take your bad news. I mean, if someone says you sounded good on TV, on Rams TV the other day, it's lovely, but it means nothing. If you said it or someone else said it, then okay. But in reality, really, I'm not here to, you know, to get pats on the back. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm not here to do that. So... So, yeah, they, they, they got it difficult. The more money they get, people think they're just immune to emotions. And I just think it's absolute nonsense. It really is. It really is. It makes things more difficult, if anything, because, you know, because they see footballers wearing all nice clothes and posh cars. And it's what? So this, what they're supposed to do? What are they supposed to spend the money on? You know, rubbish things. Of course not. You know, so they get hammered every, unless they're doing scoring a hat trick or unless they're clearing balls off the line or unless they're doing this, you know, they're going to get hammered by it. So I think the social media thing plays a big part in in footballers' lives today. And I think yesterday was a good day because Instagram was down. So, <laughs> so you know, third world problems, you know, Instagram was down for one day. Wow. But but if you're on social media as a footballer today, it's, you know, it's, it's dodgy business for me. Ashina, pleasure as always. No problem. And looking forward to spending another yes, season alongside can't wait. you. Can't wait, my friend. Cheers, mate. Bless you. 
Huge thank you to Shane, as you might have been able to guess from that. It is a little while since we recorded uh, that conversation, uh, but I'm sure we'll get him back on later in the season. He's a fascinating guy, plenty to say, uh, absolutely top man as well. So uh, cheers to him. Uh, let's get to our first Ask Rams TV. I'm joined by Robin Matthews, who is our head of broadcasting. Afternoon, Rob. Hello. You all right, boss? Very good, yeah. Strange for you, isn't it? A bit odd. I'm, sh- I'm sure you'll get into it. Um... From Twitter, firstly, these two sort of on similar lines. Disco Stew on Twitter says, Why are some games blocked in the USA? I'm a Rams TV subscriber, uh, but when a game is on ESPN, I can't stream it. And Stephen asks, How come Derby are able to show uh, the Derby Forest Cup game, but Rams TV aren't? Hashtag ask Rams TV. Um, I guess the general gist is, can you take us through, and this is out there, but can you explain why we can show some games on Rams TV, why you can watch some in obscure countries and and all the rest? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, Basically, due to outside broadcasting restrictions, we are unable as a club to do it. So when it's coming over the last couple of seasons that clubs can do their own streaming of matches it'd be great if we could do every single one but due to certain rules we're not able to so obviously if it's if it's picked up by sky which we find out normally i think it's minimum of five weeks before obviously we put the communications out to fans but it also means as a club we can't stream it domestically internationally we can only stream it to countries that don't have those broadcast restrictions in so there's a list on the website we class them as dark markets um, and they can go into those territories. Uh, however, for Sky Games, we can't. And then other ones, like someone's just touched on there, were it's Pitch International, which for fans, they'll be like, what's a Pitch International game? It's another outside broadcast organisation that can pick the games up and they can then send them off to certain countries around the world and then they're picked up like ESPN and other channels like that, when they also mean we can't stream them again, we can only send them to dark market territories doing it as a club. But we still do what we do and we put it out for fans so they can rewatch the following day. So subscribers get to rewatch the full 90 and full show that we put on as Rams TV. Um, but yeah, it is a bit, we're sort of our hands are tied with it, I'm afraid. Uh, Disco Shoe, Stephen, hopefully that answers the question. And I know that's a topic that comes up an awful lot from people. So, yeah, hopefully that answers. If you've got any more specifics, uh, do feel free to get back in touch. Uh, Thanks to Rob. Uh, Don't forget, leave a review, give us a rating, tell your friends, all that. Uh, Get your questions in for Ask Rams TV. Twitter is probably uh, the best place to do that, at Owen Bradley, to get in touch. And if there's a guest you'd like us to have on, uh, let us know uh, who you'd like to hear from as well. Until next time, bye-bye.